everyone and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today is start of season five, and I have a very special guest. Gina Panettieri is the founder and literary agent with Talcott Notch Literary Books, and the amazing people who write them has been the focus of her life for more than two decades. My kind of woman. Before I bring her on, just wanted to let you know that I would appreciate your support of my podcast. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash podcast. And for the price of a coffee, help this podcast and make me feel like I'm doing something right. And or you can get a Libro.fm subscription using the code podcast. And with every listen, you'll be supporting your local bookstore and this podcast. I'll add the links in the show notes, and I thank you. Now, without further ado, here's my conversation with Gina Panettieri. Gina Panettieri, welcome to the Living a Life Through Books podcast. I am excited to have you here. You're my first agent on my podcast, so I'm really like, whoa, this is so cool. So let's talk about the world of publishing from start to essentially finish like so let's take someone like myself okay Mm -hmm. people who are working on a manuscript and where do i go next okay if you've made the decision that you want to be traditionally published and it's a decision that people should affirmatively make they shouldn't it shouldn't be something where they're well, I'm not sure what I want to do. I'm open to self-publishing. No, if you're going to be traditionally published, if that's your goal, go into it. Start as you want to continue. Um, you So if you feel like your goal is a large publishing house, if you want to be published by one of the big five or the big four, I guess, depending on how the court case big goes. Big four, big three, big two. I mean, how well, it conglomerates, we'll yeah. Either. If you want to be, you know, published there or by one of the the large independent houses that requires agents, then definitely your your next move should be going after an agent. Now, it's not necessary to have an agent to be published traditionally. There are a lot of smaller houses that are open to direct submission from authors. There are also sometimes open submission periods at larger publishing houses, and you can imagine how many manuscripts they get during open submission period. I think one one editor once told me they got 10,000 submissions in a month. 10,000? Um, <laughs> how do they, like, they weed through that? And how does someone, a small fish like me, stand mm-hmm. out in 10,000 potentially amazing mm-hmm. manuscripts? It's going to be, you know, honestly, a lot of it is going to be their junior editorial staff, their summer interns, their assistants going through things very, very rapidly. And they're going to be looking for buzzwords. They're going to be looking for buzzwords that are going to tell them this is a book that's well suited to our imprint. So if you know that you're looking for an imprint that does a lot of YA thrillers, you know, you want to put in your subject line of your submission, you're going to make sure that you title it 85,000 word young adult thriller or, or you might put in a comp author, you know, for fans of la, la, la. Okay. 
So you're making that connection right away. There's, so they're not going to just chuck you aside. If all you put in the subject line is submission or your name or even just the title, that's probably not going to be enough. We need to know the genre, the word count, give us, give us a, you know, some, something to grab the attention because that's going to be the first barrier is going to be just even so simple as the subject line of your email. When you're looking at 10,000 emails, they're going to be like, okay, we're going to pull these out. These are the ones that we're going to give preference to because clearly this person's work is something that we could potentially publish. And they're just going to, so they're going to start to wean through and they're going to figure, okay, these, these aren't any good. These are, you know, somebody sent us poetry. No. Okay. That's not right. So that's the first, the first step is just right there. Your opening line to your work has got to grab them. So I always tell people, don't start anything. A query letter to an agent, submission to a publisher, nothing by saying, I've always wanted to be a writer. This is my dream. This is my goal. And, uh, you know, that's great. I'm assuming that is your goal <laughs> if this is what you're doing. But at the same time, you know, you have to grab them. So get your hook in there. Get your log line in there right in the opening. You know, don't even introduce yourself. You're going to say, our book, like I had, a, I had a book I pitched that got picked up, like everyone asked for it. And I said, this is Silence of the Lambs meets the Matrix. You know, I said, this, and they were like, okay. Okay. <laughs> I got Let's see what that's about. So if you can give them a log line, if you can give them something that's going to hook them and keep them reading, because again, you have so much competition. You so Whether you're submitting to a, a, an agent, like we get uh, you know, I all of us here at, at Talkinosh, we get somewhere between five and seven thousand queries per year, each agent. So each of us individually. So I have to go. Th- I don't. You know, I have an assistant as well. I do some of the the winnowing. She does a lot of the others. Right away, you're going to have to catch our attention. Say, okay, oh yeah, that story sounds amazing. You know, so work on your log line. Get that fifty to seventy-five. It doesn't have to be one sentence. It can be two. Um, but it's got to be something where we're like, oh, that concept sounds amazing, you know. So that's great. I mean, if you're coming in with terrific publishing credentials or something like that, or you're a TikTok superstar, you can put that, you can, you know, you can put that in your opening line. You got, you know, you have some bait, you have a carrot, you know, not everybody has that. Most of us are coming in here and it's the no, concept. I have, have that, you know, I have kind of 120 followers. No, 160 followers on TikTok. That is nothing. I have a thousand followers on Instagram, which is also absolutely nothing. So So for for the for the normal human mortals, you know, you're going to have to be pitching your concept. So if you happen to be blessed with some sort of extraordinary something, um, you can throw that out first. But for the rest of us, the rest of mortals, it's gonna be concept, you know. So we're gonna we're gonna try to sell hook them on the book concept. And then no matter what, your pitch, your your query letter has got to be brief. It has to be succinct. They don't have a lot of time, right? We're looking at 10,000. So you're going to want to go through very quickly. You know, one page, 250 words. So you want that great log line, that opening hook, that's one to two sentences. And then you're going to tell them a little bit more about your work. You're going to say, Title of my work is, again, we'll use 75, 85, whatever, thousand word, YA thriller in the vein of, and then you can, you know, fill in 
two popular authors that honest to goodness, don't just throw them in there because they're popular, that have some would resonate with your reader. You know, it has to be, there has to be a real connection because we're going to figure out real fast if there isn't. So, you know, you can say, you can give a couple of popular titles, you can give a popular author. Of course, if you can say, I'm the next Colleen Hoover. <laughs> Hoover <yeah. laughs> I'm guessing that goes in the trash. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't well, know. We would, I would, anyone would love to find the next Colleen Hoover, but it's not as simple as that. Um, you know, but you, you might, you might say those aren't comp titles. Now I'm going to tell you in the course of this, this query letter, you have to give us comp titles and they have to be rational comp titles. They can't be superstar bestseller because that's not really comp. A comp title is used by the publisher, by the editor to demonstrate the financial viability of your book. Can they make money on your book? I can make money on Colleen Hoover because she's Colleen Hoover. <laughs> you know, that's, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter about you. Okay, so you want to look for comp titles that are debut books, that got a lot of buzz, that did really well, maybe a second book. You're not going to want somebody who's like, your comp title is not going to come by an established star because they're selling because they're an established star. So you want a book that did well out of the gate for a new author. You're a new author. They're, okay, we can see the connection. And you're going to want the book to, to really make sense. Like, okay, my voice is like their voice or my the way I plot my books. You know, um, people are going to like, you know, they're going to find similarities or the type of world building that I do that the reader really, you know, resonates with. Okay, that's like her. So your comp titles have to be books that were recently published. Recently, not classics. Anybody who says, you know, that their comp title is something from 20 years ago, no, it's not. It has to be something from the past couple of years. Because again, the idea is we're establishing the financial viability of your book in this market to these readers today. So look for books from the last year, maybe two years. And then they have to be books that performed well. I mean, they don't have to be New York Times bestsellers. I mean, but they have to be books where an editor who edits that genre is going to know that title. They're going to know what that book's about. And so, so those are really great. You want books that were well-reviewed. You don't want books that performed well, but people are like, I don't know, this, way, <laughs> this book's it's not, not their best deal. You want books that were well-reviewed, maybe, you know, so have, but have done well. So throw those in there. Comp titles are important. And you can say, I feel that this book is my comp title because we both engage in uh, really in-depth world building and creating our fantasy world. And we both have heroines that, you know, are struggling against XYZ challenges. And, you know, so something where the readers who like like the story are going to come back and they're going to look for similar stories. Something where if you went into the bookstore, the seller, the bookseller is going to be like, yeah, oh, if you like so-and-so, you're going to like this. That's It's got to be natural. It's got to make sense. Okay. Um, I'm going to stop can... you here real quick. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so my question is this. So what about people like me or anyone else who is writing in a very, I guess, in a narrow kind of a genre, if you want, not a genre, but so, okay, so my book, South mm -hmm. India Muslim, mm -hmm. you know, that's like, even in India, it's like South Indian Muslim communities and potentially, you know, Tamil or Urdu speaking, you know, like it's that kind of narrow thing. Yeah. I'm not going to find that book. No. Anywhere. You're not. You're not so, going to find that specific thing. You're absolutely right. Or if you no, did, it, it would be. It becomes hard for so comp titles for, for people like, like I know, I know an author, a Canadian author who was in mm -hmm. my book club and she wrote a book about Indo-Fijian 
mm-hmm. culture. Like, I mean, not just in Fiji, but the Indo-Fijian, like Indians in Fiji. Very specific. Yeah. Very specific. You know, and I'm like, okay, that's Indo-Fijian. I'm like yeah. South Indian Muslim. Yeah. Where do comp titles come for people like us? You don't, comp titles... I'm going to I'm going to have to draw a line and say comp titles do not have to be exactly the same. They can resonate because the topics, the co- types of concepts that you're exploring in your book would resonate. So you might, you know, there might be, OK, you're doing South, you know, South Southern Indian Muslim. Maybe there would be a connection to books who are written about South Africa or written about areas in China where you have like some discord, you know, so you could draw, you can say, okay, because a lot of the readers, when they find these books, they don't necessarily want to repeat, but they have an interest in the conflict, the stressors, the the stakes for the people. Um, So if you can give them an, another types of story that you're educating them. They're, they're probably going to be people who you're going to have some people who are like, yes, I want something that reflects something. I know they want to reflect their life. There's going to be those readers, but lately we have a lot of readers who just are interested in learning about the world and learn and understanding that their idea of, of a country or a continent is not probably all well completely informed you know there's other aspects there they don't know about that this was going to bring them something new and those readers are going to be the ones that are going to really be interested in that book and it doesn't have to be the same but if it has something similar if you can bring in similar concepts and and so you know inform the reader bring them into a different experience like we we did we had a book is it out yet i don't know if it's out yet someone did a book on the partition for children and we've seen a lot, I've seen a lot of partition books recently. They all approach it differently. The book that Saba did with her author was very reassuring, was kind of like warm and reassuring for children who are going, you know, but you know, so you can have lots of books about the same topic, but then again, those same readers that might pick that book up might also want to read about people from of other cultures who went through complete upheaval in their lives or displacement, you know, they became diaspora in a different land. So, you know, it doesn't have to be the same as long as you're tugging on the same heartstrings. I think you'll, you'll be fine. So you can use those as your comp titles and you can use those when you're searching for publishers to know what publishers would be appropriate. You know, don't, don't necessarily think, oh, I have to look at this narrow little swath. There's lots of opportunity. Look for bu- publishers who are thematically resonating with your book. Okay. 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 Um, Want to talk about publishing houses because mm-hmm. you talked about a large independent house. What are the yes. tiers of uh-huh. traditional publishing? What What are sure. all the tiers of it? Well, you have you have these giant mega houses. These these you know that you have the, the big four, <laughs> big you know, and they're they have many many imprints. Some of the imprints you know they've acquired or they've merged. So you have at most of those big ones, you have everything under one roof. You're going to find board books for babies. You're going to find serious nonfiction. You're going to find popular commercial, fi- everything under one roof. Underneath those, you're going to have large independent publishing houses. And those are like Kensington is a very large independent publisher. They have, I, I don't know what they've done recently. The last time I checked, they, they were doing like 600 titles a year. So that's, you know, they're a large independent and they 
have pretty much a smattering of, of, of many, many different genres, many different approaches. Um, Sourcebooks is another very well-established independent publisher. They often have bestsellers in their commercial fiction or their nonfiction, and yet a lot of people don't even don't even know sourcebooks, and yet they're 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 such a huge presence, and they they do so well. So you've got those kinds of of publishers. They're going to be very competitive because they're they're hotly sought after. They do very well. They have great distribution. They're well reviewed. They've established themselves, and they're stable. They've been around for long enough that people know they're not they're not going away tomorrow. A lot of independents. You're going to find independents that are very very specific to a certain type of work. So you might find an independent that specializes in certain types of nonfiction. You go on their site and it's all, okay, uh, one close to us does, like Skyhorse has all like all of these different imprints and one only does like nature guides and outdoor and hiking. And, you know, so if that's your bag, okay, you can find that publisher that that is devoted to your topic. Um, and there are lots of small indies that are very specific to genre. There are some that do romance, you know, they have like Entangled and, you know, you have um, some that do like mysteries and thrillers, you know, like Crooked Lane is, a, is an independent. They only do mysteries and thrillers. So although I think they have an Alcove Press now that's doing women's fiction. So, you know, you've got you've got those. And again, they're significant enough. They, they, they've been around, they've established, they're not quite as large as the as uh, like Kensington, but you're still going to have considerable competition for the slots because they usually have a limited calendar, a limited number of books they're going to put out in every catalog. And people are surprised by that. I've had conversations with authors that don't realize that coming into the opening of the season, most publishers have a set number of these smaller publishers. They have a set number of books they're going to do. You know, they're like, okay, we're going to do, we're looking for 36 books for, for this for this, this catalog. And that might seem unfair, but honestly, they go in at the beginning of the year, you have your budget, you know, you're like, okay, this is the amount of money I have to work with to acquire and produce titles. And how are we going to spend it? And, you know, some source like, a, you know, you might have a, a smaller publisher, but they're going to spend 90, they might spend 90% of their whole annual budget on one big book. You know, they managed to get a big author and they're going to put all their guns behind that. <laughs> that can happen. But for the most part, you know, they come into it. They're like, okay, we're going to do 24 books, 30 books, 30, whatever. And they know that from the beginning and they're trying to fill those slots and they know what kind of books they want, you know? So it's like, okay, we're, you know, we, we really need to make sure we get another one of this in, or, you know, we, we're going to do one Western every other month or, we need three three mysteries a month. So they, they know how many and they know what they're going to be acquiring. And then you've got little tiny, you know, mom and pop shop, independent publishers, and some of them are very new and some of them are, are still learning, growing. They're they're probably the best opportunity, you know, as far as like your your chances for, for finding a publisher. And that's that's good. It depends on what your goals are, because you have to think when you're when your debut book, you only have one debut in your life. You have one debut. And that can shape the trajectory of your career, your debut book. So, you know, you can you can think like, well, I just really want to get my book out. And that's okay if that's your goal. Like, I just want, my friends and family want my book out. I want to get, I want some other new people to read it. And this will be great. That's okay. That's fine. That's good. Everyone has a different goal. If your goal is, I really have a dream of being a career author. I want to write for a living. I want to make this my, my, my profession, my calling. 
you know, then you might want to wait and say like, okay, I'm going to hold off. I'm not going to necessarily maybe take that offer from that very tiny house that probably is going to do a lovely job. They're going to really get behind the book, but they're not really going to be able to do, and they'll be honest, honest to goodness. The small publishers are very forthright when they'll tell you they're like, most of our books sell somewhere between several hundred and several thousand copies. And they'll be, they'll tell you if you ask them, you know, just say, gee, but they come to you and they say, we're going to make you an offer. We'll give you a thousand dollars and we're going to put your book out next year. You can ask them and say, gee, that's nice. But let me ask you about how your books usually go. They'll be, they'll tell you, they're not going to, they're not going to blow smoke. They're going to say, okay, this is what our books normally do because they're not pretending that they're penguin. <laughs> you know, they're, right. they're going to tell you. So you need to decide, okay, is that where I, is that a good place for me right now? Or do I have an aspiration that I want to be this a big, a big author? And you might want to then think, I mean, maybe the book needs a little more work. Maybe you need to polish it. Maybe this book needs to go in a trunk and you need to take your next book out. Maybe this book was a learning experience. And don't think, don't think, I, I beg people, don't think every word you ever write has to go out to the world. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. There are books that are going to be your learning books. They're going to be the practice books where you make all the mistakes. And then three years from now, you're going to read that book and you're going to go, oh my God, what I, did I, I, I've learned so much since then. And I'm really glad that I had the experience, but I'm also glad I didn't put that out to the world because we're going to form an opinion of your capabilities, your, your, your potential from what you publish. So, so I, I, I beg people, if your goal is traditional publishing, don't get frustrated on your first book. My first book didn't sell and I didn't become a superstar with my very, okay, most of us aren't going to do that, you know, but okay, put it in the trunk. Don't, don't think like I have to self-publish this book. You know, that's, that's what I see this kind of impatience in people. I think that's, I, it really comes down to like an impatience. They just, they don't want to wait for the good stuff. And I, I kind of, I, I want to caution them. It might, that might be great for you. You might be amazing and you might be superstar, you know, self-published author and, and everyone will be amazed by it. But it could also be where you put the book out and you're like, oh, you know, it's kind of discouraging. And then you have this track record where people can say like, yeah, the book only sold, you know, 42 copies. <laughs> you know, so think carefully. Don't necessarily think every word that you put on, on a, you know, on a page has to be published and read by someone. Maybe it's just for you. So, you know, I, I, I think that's I think that's something that people are forgetting lately and they want everything, everything to go out, you know, and, and, and they want a feedback on it. Use your critique group for that. You know, they can they can give you the feedback. OK, now we talked about seasons. Mm -hmm. You said publishers like the small houses, big houses, they all have a season of they decide I'm going to publish 25 books or 200 books or whatever mm -hmm. their number is. Is that the same thing with agents and do you guys work together? I know agents have like query seasons. I'm guessing do publishers have query seasons? What's that process like? Let's say, yeah. let's say you sign me on as an agent. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're my agent and I just signed on the dotted line. Right. Right. So okay. actually we'd have to go back because we'd have to go back before that because you'd have a query season, right? And well, does your query season work with the publishing query season? And do you see what I'm saying? What I'm going to say in general, and you're probably going to find that there's going to be some flexibility here. People 
you're going to be most open to new queries after the first of the year, so that January 2nd to the end of April. Things are going to get kind of weird in the summer. Publishers, they go on vacation and they don't have a quorum to do a pub board or, you know, things happen. Um, and then right after Labor Day, you have this other busy time from September, whatever, whatever, to probably right around Thanksgiving. So these these sound like narrow windows, you know. That's when most most of the <laughs> most most of the action takes place. If you send someone work over the summer, sometimes it, it gets attention. Sometimes it doesn't. We were just talking internally here about whether we should just tell our clients, like, I'm, I, we're not going to get any answers the rest of this week because everybody's got an away out of the office uh, on their on their mail. So everybody's taking vacation. They want to get that last vacation. And then we're all going to come back full of caffeine and new budget money. And, you know, beginning of the fall season, everyone's going to be push, push, push until Christmas when everybody disappears right after Thanksgiving. Nothing happens. Don't ever send a book to anybody like between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day. <laughs> it's just don't even. Got it. Um, Got nothing, it. Nothing's going to happen. So you've got those. Now, agents, some agents are only open specific times. Look at if you if you are on query manager, um, you know, that sort of thing, usually the agents will say, like, I'm going to be closed. I'm closed right now. Technically, I'm closed right now just because I've got so much of a backlog with my client work I have to catch up on before I can possibly look at something new. So I'm trying right. to get caught right. up because they're such a productive group. So we'll tell you, you know, like, I'm going to be open for this. Sometimes you'll see a publisher is only really looking for submissions for like uh, smaller, especially indies. They'll be like, our open our open submission in time is going to be March to May or something. So check the websites and don't miss those. Put them put it put them in your Google Calendar um, so that you remember those. Because I myself I kicked myself sometimes when I'm oh man you know. <laughs> I forgot, you know, they just, and, and, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll slide for the agent, but I, you know, I, I'm trying to respect their calendar. So know, know what that is. And it's not, it's not like nothing. I'm going to say, it's not like nothing happens over Christmas. Nothing happens in the summer, but honest to goodness, it, they're going to be looking for excuses to get rid of things more, you know? So it's just, just, just wait until, so after Labor Day, after the 1st of January, that's when you want to send things out for that for that brief period. And then everybody gets, you know, like summer vacation or kids are home from school. They're not going to be nearly as productive. So that's coming up like right now, like we're just coming into that season. So I'm assuming next week, right? Today is the 1st of uh, September when we're recording this. Um, by the 6th of September, it's going to be bedlam in <laughs> in, in every agenting office, every every editor's office because they're going to be deluged. They've been telling us, wait till we get back from Labor Day. Wait till we get back. everybody. It's going to be absolute bedlam. So, um, but there's going to be a lot of books by now. If you follow Publishers Marketplace, you've probably noticed the past couple of weeks, the deal lists have been pretty scanty. They're going to explode by mid-September. You're going to have lists that are four times longer than they are right now. And so if you watch the deal list, if you go on PM, and you watch the deal list, you're going to be able to figure out yourself the rhythms of things. You're going to see when the lists are really big and bulky and when they're like, you know, mostly just foreign deals from other countries that don't work on the same calendar. So I hope I hope that helps. <laughs> so I am not on any list right now. Okay. I My book, I, I sent it to an editor 
and mm-hmm. now I'm working on the edits. It's it's in okay. my hands right now. So okay. I'm actually working on the edits. I'm not going to send it. I'm not going to query until it's done. Good. That's Good. that's what I was told. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm losing my train of thought. Well, 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 okay. well like, while I have that train of thought, somebody told me this mm-hmm. was this was an oh, I don't remember. Okay, someone told me that they were like, "Oh, you're working on your manuscript. That's great. You should be writing a log line and a query letter right now, and you should be querying agents right now because by the time you hear from them, you'll have your manuscript done." And then I put it on Twitter. This was like two months ago, and people yeah. were like, "Do not do that." Yeah, yeah. So, no, no, no. It's you wait until your book is done. Wait until your book is edited. You know, I don't. I'm not going to. I'm going to tell people I don't necessarily think you have to hire a professional editor if you have reliable feedback. Say, you know, you're writing a mystery novel. You're a member of Mystery Writers America, and you have a whole circle of published mystery authors that are going to be happy to read your book and give you feedback. Okay, great. No money spent. It's great. <laughs> and they're very good, good editors. But if you're writing fiction, and if it's especially if it's your first fiction, it has to be pretty much perfect. And when that editor or that agent says, I want to see it, you want to be able to send it out by return mail. Oh, okay. Here it is. It's right. While they're still thinking about it, while they're so excited about your concept, you want to get it. Don't you don't want to be like, oh, you'll be ready in two months, you know, because if you start querying when your book isn't ready, you're going to get some yeses. And and then you're going to feel rushed. You're going to feel panicky. And then I, this is what happens to me every time I, I send something out. I can tell that they didn't really have it finished. You get that feeling like, oh, OK, the, because the, the synopsis got a little, sh- little speculative there at the end, the last last third. I'm like, okay, this book really isn't done. So I asked for it. They rush. They tell me it's done. Oh, I'm just, I'm just going to go through, give it one last pass for typos. And two weeks later, I get the book. And again, I can feel the last third is short. It's rushed. It's a mishmash. So I'm like, you rushed because you told me the book was done and it wasn't done. And then you put yourself under this pressure to get it to me. I said, get it right first. Take the time. Get it right first. If you're writing nonfiction, this is the difference. Other than memoir, memoir sells on a whole manuscript. If you're writing nonfiction, you can sell on proposal. And a proposal is a short document. It's a couple of sample chapters, um, always the opening ones, no, not a mishmash, not, not like 1532. And that you have your table of contents, you have your author bio, an analysis of competing titles, and your author platform statement, because that's what you sell non, nonfiction on. So whether it's a history, or it's a medical book or whatever, those sell on proposal. And then when you, when you, honest to goodness, when you're, when you're querying on those, you say, I will have this book finished within this number of months of going to contract, six months, eight months, whatever, be realistic, (laughs) be realistic with that. So that's the difference with, with nonfiction. Those sell on proposal. But I I often caution people, if you've never written a book in your life, if you've never done anything long form, write the whole thing first, because if it's the very first thing you've ever written that's long form, you're going to find challenges that you hadn't anticipated. Because I get people all the time that tell me they're they're writing in this in this nonfiction genre, and I know what the word count should be for that genre, and I get a book in that's about a third the length. <laughs> I'm like, this is twenty thousand words. Like I said, this this book should be seventy thousand words. 
So they, they write something, they complete it, but it's very short. It's not fleshed out. It's not really, you know, so take the time. If it's your first time through, make sure you understand you, you, you get that process down because it's a lot of pressure to be under contract. I'm, I'm now going to write a 600 page book when the only thing I've ever done before that was a 20 page professional paper. You know, this is it's a whole different world, the pacing and how do you develop your story in something that long. So I always tell people first one, let's, let's see if we can get it done first. Just make sure you can, because some people can't finish a book. They just can't. So it's a challenge. <laughs> anyway, right. hope that helps. Yes, it does. Okay. What were the different apps and websites? I know you mentioned Publishers Marketplace right. and Query Manager, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. someone like me who has not started querying or hasn't even okay. started the process, mm-hmm. what if I had a manuscript ready today? Let's say my edits are done. Yeah. They're about as good as I can get them. Like they are mm-hmm. really done. They're perfect. I've read it out loud three times, mm-hmm. all of it. Right. Next step, obviously, write a query letter, which we've right. talked about, you know, the mm-hmm. log line and all of that. Right. Then what do I do? Because people talk about uh, researching agents and yes. all of that. Now, so what's is the where... next step and what, what are the other websites and where do we go next? This is where like query manager and publisher's marketplace kind of work in tandem. If you go to publisher's marketplace and all the, it's it's a subscription based you can you can get a lot of the features for free but if you want all of it um there's a, a minor subscription cost i think it's 25 dollars a month i don't know we, we we buy them in bulk or they have like a one-time research fee it's like five dollars ten dollars that gives you access to everything to research so you can get away cheap go there go through the deal lists because they have on there when when we go to contract we give the information to Publishers Marketplace or the publisher gives the information, one of us or the other. So you're going to be getting information on most of the, the books from, from the bigger publishers um, as well as large independents. And they're going to be books that are going to be not in the pipeline. They're not even, they're not even published yet. Nobody knows about them. Um, so you'll know who's doing what right now, who's buying books in what topic right now, not what's on the store shelves that they bought two years ago. This is going to be, what did they buy yesterday? So you go through and you you can divide up uh, the deal listings by genre, or you can put in terms, you can put in buzzwords and say, I want all of the books about, uh, you know, Indo, Indo, what did you say? Indo, Indo-Fijian, Indo-Fijian. <laughs> Bring me all the titles that are Indo-Fijian and it'll bring you, it'll give, give you the return. It'll give you lists. And then you can, so you know, you look at that and you're like, oh, yeah, this is what so-and-so bought. This one's, it, you know, I can see where I could resonate with, with this agent, this, because it's going to list the publisher and the author and the agent and a description of the book. So you're going to get all that information. So make your list, going to know what publishers are doing what. Um, you're going to be aware of what's been done, being done that's kind of close to your own. So you, when you describe yours, you can kind of make sure it doesn't sound like it's exactly the same. Then you're going to go to the contacts and the contacts link there. There's a, there's a page it's called contacts and it'll give you like email addresses. So you can look up, you know, how do I contact this person? How do I, you know, tell them? And you can say, and they like it when you say, 
I saw your deal on Publishers Marketplace for the title La La La, and that sounded, you know, like really would resonate with my with readers for my book. So if you've been studying their PM, they know that you know what they really do. So then you go to Query Manager, um, and you can look up, you know, the the agent. Um, and you can send queries to those specific people who you see. And you can go back in Publishers Marketplace. You can go back, I think, to year 2000. I think it goes, the archives are tremendous. So you, you can see a whole, you know, history of everything. So you'll know, um, you know, how, how things have evolved. So you can go to this person and say, like, you know, I'm aware of your history. You've done this book, that book, this book. And you can, and query manager will tell you if they're open. They all, it also gives you tremendous tool for querying because you go on there and you just like, it, it's all online. You don't have to worry about necessarily, you know, getting things right. You know, exactly. You just say, okay, this, this query, this is this genre, this word count. Here's my name. Here's my title. Here's my book synopsis. You know, it makes it organized and you get responses and you can, you know, they check back, they tell you, uh, yes, that one's still in consideration. This one, oh, this one was rejected. This one, they want more. Oh, they want my 50 pages or they want a full manuscript. So that'll keep your everything neat and organized in one place. And you don't have to worry about trying to keep records. It's all there. So it's, it's a very convenient tool. There's some people uh, like to go to, I think, um, Manuscript Wishlist MSWL. And on MSWL, you have editors and agents who are who are giving like what they want at the moment. Like sometimes it's something that they heard in the news and they're like, oh man, I want to, I want a book about that. Um, so sometimes it can be very specific. Like they'll, they'll hear about something new or sometimes like a historical event that suddenly got a lot of uh, play and they're like, oh, I really want a book about this topic. So that can be very useful, but you have to remember that MSWL can, it, it can be something like that's um, narrow window of time when that's applicable because say, okay, they put this up on Wednesday that's somebody wants a book about, you know, Titanic survivors or something like that. Okay, maybe by Saturday they have five, you know, in their, in their inbox uh, because everyone saw that. So, you know, it may not be like two years later if you go back and look at old MSWLs, like, well, unless it's just them saying what they like in general. Like they may say, I read and, and represent books in, that are of this nature. Um, and those are very specific. But if it's a very point specific thing, then it's, you really kind of have to jump on that quickly because it's probably something they, they, want, they want now. Um, so those are, I think those are the best sources. MSWL is a website, Manuscript Wishlist, as well as a hashtag on Twitter. It's hashtag MSWL, and um, you'll see lots and lots of um, like you know late like people, editors and agents like you know you know last minute. Here's what I'm looking for. So maybe inspirational. But those are those are my my top tools for writers. You should publishers marketplace is irreplaceable. It it has market news. It tells you editor moves. So an editor you know. You know, oh, you'll see there, oh, well, they just moved over to this other publishing house, or maybe they just got promoted, or, you know, so they've got that, they've got job offer, job listings, like maybe somebody's thinking, oh, I'd love, love to be an editor. So there's, they have the job listings. It's, it's got, like, you fall in a rabbit hole there. There's so many things you can research when you're on there. So it's definitely worth the investment. So you'll, you'll learn a tremendous amount. And that it's just like an education in itself. So it's not necessarily independent publishing 
companies and what books they put out for you to contact them without an agent, but I can go to Publishers Marketplace and look up agents right. and exactly. what books they've mm-hmm. put out. So I can look up Gina and right. be like, okay, what books has she accepted? What book mm-hmm. has she published? What has sold? What has not? And then it would give me all that information. Publishers Marketplace will give you information on, on the deals. So you'll see on PM, you're going to see the books that sold. So if you go there and you look up an agent or an agency, maybe the whole, maybe you just, you know, you want to go look up one, one specific agency, you'll get all the deals from all of their agents in that agency, or you can put in the single agent, they'll get, you'll get the deals for that specific agent. If you're interested in an editor, you can see, you know, you put in that editor's name and uh, maybe you saw her at a conference or you saw an interview with her and you're like, that's, that sounds like somebody who'd like my work. Put, put in that, you get all their deals. So you're not going to see on there, you're not going to see things that haven't sold yet. You won't know that. That information can be kind of difficult to ascertain. Like sometimes you, the best you can do is follow them on Twitter or follow them on, on their own website when they announce new authors. And, you know, sometimes you'll see those same authors show up in the deal. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes the title is different. You wouldn't recognize it. You know, it's, it comes up with something totally different or the, the author uses a pen name now. So it can be a little hard to really be absolutely sure about that. But you can tell when you're interviewing with an author, uh, with, a, with an agent, you can ask them questions. You can be like, you know, how sure are you of this, these, you know, these books or what's your success rate with this type of book? Um, you know, and they can usually tell you, you know, yes, you know, this is, I've, I've had a lot of success with this, maybe, maybe not with this. And they're, they're usually pretty honest with, um, with giving you that. So I think that's the best way to do that. Okay. And then, okay. then once you get an agent, mm-hmm. then you just kind of sit tight and wait then. Is that yeah. kind of what it is or? Let me, let me, let me back up one more step from sure. that. See, like you have your book out, you, you sent your book out and you queried a dozen agents that, that handle books that, that would resonate with your readers. Mm-hmm. And say three of those 12 came back and they, they offered representation, right? So what you should do when you get an offer of representation and you have the book out with other people, unless the person offering you representation is your absolute dream agent and, you know, you would marry this person if you could, you know, just like everything about you clicks and you just really, the, the, the next thing you should do is tell everyone else, I have an offer of representation. If you are at all interested, please let me know within 10 business days. All right, so- Sometimes other agents are going to come forward that with offers at that point. Um, they, you know, getting it's, it's that fear of missing out. Now they're suddenly going to have make time in the schedule to read your book, even if they were busy. So want to make sure if you're going to get all the answers you can, there's going to be some non-responders. It happens. It happens. People go on maternity leave. They have, they get sick, whatever. Okay. But you've got all the answers you can then interview everyone. Don't make a decision based on an offer. You know, it's, if they get an offer letter and you do, oh, don't write back and say, oh, yes, immediately. You want to set up a phone interview or a Zoom interview and spend an hour or two getting to know them and talking about why did they like your book? What did they like about it? What do they think needs revision? Where would they en- envision it being published? You know, that sort of thing. Don't ask them how much money it's going to get. That's that's just silliness. How much um, money am I going to get? Show me the money. Show <laughs> <laughs> me the money. <laughs> That's, we know you never know. We honestly don't know. We 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 don't know. They don't know. No one knows. 
Uh, we've had books that that we have one offer for like a zero advance ebook deal, and then another publisher come back for a hundred thousand dollars. No what? way. <laughs> and they're both no big five imprints. So it's like <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> so don't ask anybody like that sort of, we get I get that. Every once in a while people are like, how much do you no, we don't know. We're gonna find out. And you know, at that time we're gonna do the best for you can. So now you've got you've taken time, you've interviewed everybody, and you really like one of them you you know you, you like what the work they've done you talk you get some referrals talk to their clients why do they work with them what do they like about them you know so that you'll you'll it's it's kind of like the bachelor you're gonna you're gonna find one that stands out you know and um you know so that that'll be that'll be who you should sign with. but don't do it blindly interview them if they try to rush you see that as a red flag you know if they're not willing to give you the room to breathe and talk to other people you know, then, you know, I usually see that as a red flag. I'm like, why are you afraid for me to talk to this other person? You know, I kind of feel like sometimes people, sometimes the author will come to me and say, oh, I'm also going to interview with XYZ. And if I know them and I like them, I'm like, they're a really good agent. <laughs> you know, like, right. They would be, they would be a really good agent. This is why they're really good. And because usually they're friends and, you know, so I don't have any problem with that. And honest to God, if that agent would turn out to be even a better match, then right. that's that's fine by me. You know, like so you should get a feeling that the people that you're talking to want to give you respect and are going to give you your time to breathe and come to a decision logically, not push you, rush you, you know, not bully you. Don't get in a relationship with anyone who's going to bully you. You know, so because this has got to be a partnership, it's got to be a marriage. And if it's going to work, and you know, it has both of you have to respect the other's you know decision making process. So. Um, and then that that agent, once you sign, most of us put the author through some kind of edits. We usually have some things that we thought needed work. Occasionally, I get a book in that I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is absolutely perfect. And then I find out the person's been workshopping it for like three years. So, right. so there's a reason why it's perfect, you know, because they, right. they don't work on it. And, uh, you know, so that's going to take a while, depending on your schedule, our schedule. That might take a month, six months. You know, it depends on what needs to be done. And at that point, you know, we may have already been kind of pre-selling it, talking to editors and being like, oh, man, I got this great book and, you know, telling them a little bit about it so that they're eager to get it. Um, you know, and at that point we start, we'll go out and pitch the book and we'll take it out to editors. And you should ask, you should be able to get the list of who was approached, who responded, what they responded, who's who's ask for submissions, you know, so that you're in control. I call it my, in case I get hit by a bus plan. So if something happens to Gina and I get hit by a bus, you know, then you, then you can, you know where your book was and everybody at the agency knows where the book was and can pick up the train and follow it and, and, and continue on. Um, and so there's no, no loss. So you know exactly who's seen it and we give you any feedback. So ask for the feedback, you know, did they say like, this book was really, really good, but I just bought something similar to that. And that's why I'm rejecting it. Okay, that happens. Uh, you know, it's, so there's there's no reason why you shouldn't get the feedback. Sometimes it's workable. Sometimes it's something you can do something with. You know, if you have three people who say, I liked the book, but I didn't like this. And that's why I couldn't, couldn't buy it. Then that's something to hear. I, then you need to think about that because that happens. Sometimes it's like, I like the heroine. You like the heroine. But the editors are all going, man, that's a mean, you know, I'm not sure I can, I really don't. So if you're getting a lot of the same response, then maybe it's time to pull the book and revise, you know, and, and deal with that issue if you're getting that much of a response. 
So, and then, you know, hopefully, hopefully the offers come in. When we get an offer, when we get an offer for book, unless it is what's called a preempt offer, where it's like, I'm going to give you this much money for this book. Usually it's a little bit more than what one would expect to see. It's an exceptionally good offer, but that means you can't shop that. I can't take it back to other people and ask for bids. It's take it or leave it. We're not going to offer it. Again. It's off the table for a limited period of time. That's a, that's a preempt. If you, if you don't have a preempt, you can go out, we go out, take it to other people, you know, ask them, Hey, we have an offer. And the offer is $25,000 against standard royalties, blah, 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 whatever, whatever the specifics are. And give them a period of time, just like with your offers from agents, give them a period of time to get back. And usually, you know, you get the vibe right from the first phone call that you tell them there's an offer, whether they were already thinking about the book or not. So usually, hopefully, within about a week to two weeks from that time, you got that first offer, you now have, you know, the, the everyone is going to make an offer, what the offers are going to be. And you, the author, you, the author should be the one who decides what offer to take, okay? Maybe it's going to be the financially most advantageous offer. Maybe not. We've had authors that took offers from publishers they vibed with better, even though the bid was not the highest bid. We don't, that, you know, if you're auctioning it and the, the, the auction winner has to get it, well, okay, fine. But we like to let the authors have the say and say, like, you know, I interview with the editor. She gets my book. She gets my character. And even though their offer was the second highest offer, I want to go with them instead, you know, and I'm, we're going to be supportive of that. If somebody bullish you again, that's not a good, that's not a good marriage. You know, you want to be listened to. And sometimes that person, maybe they didn't, they didn't have the pocketbook to get the biggest offer, but they have the passion to make it their biggest project for the year. They're going to get behind you and they're going to rattle everyone's cage to get you the marketing, you know, and, and and just constantly chase opportunities for you. So if you can get that, it's worth it. You know, that's, that's where it, it'll be worth it in the long run. So that's the process for us. Now, not every book gets an offer. Sometimes, you know, you send a book out, we love it, you love it. And the editors, it's just not finding its home. Maybe it's ahead of the curve. Maybe it's a little too, too advanced. And that book's not going to be something that people are going to get for another year or two. Um, you know, sometimes while I'm shopping it, you should be working on another book. You shouldn't be sitting on your hands, waiting to hear anxious, biting your nails, you know, waiting to hear like what people are thinking. I want you because, and I want you to do this because, and I just listened to one of my clients, um, podcasts, uh, where he, what well, he didn't interview on podcast where he, he was telling the interviewer, yeah, Gina called me and she said, you know, Hey. Dom, do you have a second book? You know, are you working on a second book? And Dom goes, yeah, sure. I am. No, <laughs> he had a quick kind of, kind of come up with some concepts because I could tell that the editor wanted a two book deal. She wanted to invest in him for more than just the book that she had in front of him. So, you know, so he had a really quick come up with some, comp thankfully he had some in the hopper that were pretty good, but you want to have those in the hopper because if I come back and I'm like, Hey, you know, they really like your work, but they want to know what else you have. Maybe because they see a spark of talent, but this book isn't going to work for them. But maybe the second book you have is that happens too. Sometimes the first book is like getting to know you and it didn't quite go all the way over the goal line. The second book is so always have, always have a second project. And it doesn't have to be finished. It could just be, I don't know. It could just be a couple of chapters and a concept, you know, but you need to have something where you can say, yes, yes, I do. Because a lot of publishers are going to want to invest in you as a career. They're going to want to invest in you as an author, not just a book, not just this title, 
but they want more than that. And that's very common. So that's what I need people to do. When I'm shopping your work, I want you to be home. I know you're nervous. I know you're anxious and you're waiting, but I want you to be working away. The second thing, so when I come to you and say, she says she wants two books, we, we have some really good concepts we can come back with. So so that that's that's pretty much it. A lot of, a lot of the times it's going to take from the time we get an offer, we accept an offer, and the book is in. It could be a year, it could be two years before the book comes out. Some graphic novels and, and, and picture books right now, we're selling. Now it's 2022. We're getting pub dates in 2025. So some, depending on genre, some books can be pushed out that far. If it's, if it's like heavily illustrated and it's going to take forever, you know, for that process. Um, so we are seeing some pub dates in 2025. So don't assume, never, never, never assume, oh my gosh, my, I, I just sold my book. It's going to be out in September, <laughs> you know, unless it's an Insta book about a big, you know, like a, a timely topic there it's no, they're buying it for 2024 or something like that right now. So assume it's going to be a minimum of a year, maybe two years more common for your book to actually come out, which is great because that gives you time to build your platform and make your connections, network, get everything set up for you because you're going to have to be working really hard when you launch your book. You have to be a partner and help promote it. So that's that time actually is going to pass faster than you realize. Right. So let's see. I send a query letter. We don't know when you're going to respond to my query letter, right? Right. We hope you respond in two weeks to a few months. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. hopefully. And if then... they don't respond, nudge them. If it's not, if they, if it's been four weeks or so, send a reminder. Okay. Okay. So now I've nudged you, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, Shnaz, I really like your book." Okay, great. So now you're going to sign with me. So mm-hmm. let's assume you sign with me and then you're like, hey, you know, let's work with this. You know, this character, these scenes, I'd really like you to tighten this scene up. I'd like you to tighten this and tighten that. Okay, mm-hmm. let's give it six months. Okay, mm-hmm. so I tighten all this. Here you go, Gina. And you're like, oh, good. This is perfect. This is what I want. Great. Yeah. So now after that six months, now you are shopping the book after that, right? Right. Right. So the shopping process could take anywhere from two weeks to two years to never. Absolutely. It can. We have, most of us have books that sell pretty much overnight to the first person you show them to. That's a miracle. But it's usually because you've been chatting it up for a while. They're anxious to see it. And they have, they really, really want that type of book. That's going to work for us. Yeah. You know, that, that's the thing that we're getting information back from sales and marketing that's going to be really hot for us. Yes. Okay. Then you've got more of books that like, okay, they fit genre wise, focus wise, voice, they fit, you know, but there's no rush. There's no like, oh my God, yeah, I need another book from an unreliable narrator about a woman whose husband, you know, maybe gaslighting her and gonna find the killer, whatever. So you got those. That that could be if it's if it's a book where it's like, yeah, it kind of fits, but there's no big rush, that's gonna take a couple of months. Because by the time they read it, they have somebody else read it, they take it to board. That's a couple of months right there. Then you've got the books that are hard sell. Hard sell. And they are the books that we like open our veins and bleed on the desk for them to read it. I had a book years ago called The Connected Child, and I was pitching it to everybody. It was about how adoptive parents can emotionally help 
their uh, foreign adopted children um, because some of these kids were coming from, you know, they're coming from Russia or, or places where they'd been abused or neglected. And I kept hearing from editors, there's no market for that. You know, but nobody, nobody's doing that. And there's not a big enough market. And we finally sold it to a woman at McGraw Hill who just really, really understood what we were doing with this book. And she had to go in and pitch it like, I will give you my firstborn child. Please just let me buy this book. Um, so she had to really beg, you know, on bended knee herself. Well, that book has been a category bestseller now for 11 years. We've made an unbelievable amount of money on that book because every orphanage, every foster care system, countries around the world have used the system to revamp their uh, orphanages. So the books sometimes that we have to fight the hardest to get, when we find the editor who'll fight that hard too, go on and they become perennial bestsellers because there is a mark, you know? So I don't lose faith. Like sometimes it'll take a year, it'll take two years. I just got an offer for a two book contract for a woman, and we've been pitching this book for more than a year. She was getting distraught. I was getting distracted about, you know, like, I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why people aren't, because this is such a great book. Um, and finally, yeah, we found that editor. We found that that deal. We found those people who get it. They really, really, really get the book. So, and sometimes it was just like aligning of the planets and the editor that I wanted. I've been chasing him from house to house, you know, and finally I'm like, got him. <laughs> got him to sit down for five minutes. So, you know, you have to have patience. Here we give we give books every every chance. So like we we will go through dozens and dozens of submissions. It doesn't matter if we, you know, if we feel like there's an opportunity for it. And sometimes that, you know, sticking it out to the very end, you get the perfect editor, the perfect deal, and the perfect timing. And it's all everything is just aligned. So that's what yeah, can take that long. So um, but we won't give up. So, you know. Hopefully, and you need to talk to the agent when you sign with them, say, how far do you go? How long do you go? I've heard of agencies where they'll send out the book to six editors. If those six editors pass, they're done. They're done. They just cancel the contract. No one advance who you're getting hooked up with. You know, I mean, like, do you want somebody who's going to do that? They're going to shop to the six most obvious people and then give up. Or do you want somebody who's like, you know, I'm going to be out there, you know, like, at every conference, at every expo, at every, you know, this your book I'm going to be talking to people about. So ask them, how long will you work? How how far will you go to try to get this book sold? You know, so you, you know what to expect. You know how I talk about, I know we're running short of time. Um, let's make this the last question. You know how I'm talking about, like, not me, but people talk about, oh, my ideal agent, you know, an mm -hmm. ideal agent, I guess they would know Everybody in every top five, top four, every imprint, they know every editor. And it's kind of like, I could just blindly sell any book, you know, that kind of an age. You, you yeah. have clients of that ideal agent. What, from an agent's point of view, would be the ideal client, would be the ideal author that you would want to work with? I, I can only speak for myself and for the people that I know well, we want somebody who is dedicated to their craft, who's going to listen to us, who's going to listen to our feedback, who's going to, you know, it's very frustrating if you tell somebody you really have to change this aspect of the book or it's not going to sell. And then they refuse to, you end up taking it out and you hear it didn't sell because of that. That's wasting everyone's time. So listen, if you don't trust the agent, don't sign with them. If you trust their judgment, listen to what they're telling you because they know what they're talking about. Someone who is going to keep me informed. So if I have sold a book to a publisher, 
and they're going to miss their deadline for revision. Tell me, tell me, don't, don't, don't let it be a surprise where the editor's calling me and saying like, where's my book? You know, it's okay. I will work it out. I will work it out. No matter what goes wrong, tell me, I will work it out. I've had women who have had a loss in the family. They've been emotionally unable to continue working for a while. I'll just go in, tell me, tell me, I can't do this right now. I'll go in and we'll work it out with the editor. Nothing is irreparable. We'll fix it. If you have something that uh, you need me to help you with, if you are just stuck, don't hide. Don't put your head in the sand. Tell me, like, I don't know what to do with this character. I, I, I don't understand. You know, let us help you. Let us help you. So be communicative. Be honest. Understand that things are going to take a while. Don't, don't like be working on that second book. Let me know what your expectations are. Don't surprise me. If you want me to give you a phone call every two weeks or you want to, you know, something to happen, let's talk about that in advance. So set expectations, you know, realistic expectations and be responsible and respectful of the agent's time. So, I mean, I, I joke about having a breakfast club of people that text me at five o'clock in the morning. Hey, gee, you wake? I mean, yeah. I mean, because it, it happens. Oh my goodness. It happens because they're so excited about something or whatever. They want to talk about it right away. And they're in a different time zone. I mean, so that, that happens. And if it's an emergency, okay. Like, you know, I'll take a call or a text or something when it's stupid o'clock in the morning or, you know, zero dark 30 or something or a Christmas day. <laughs> Thank you. Or, but I have problems, like I've had clients where literally, I don't know what, what was going on exactly, but I would hear from them like six times a day. Every thought that passed their head, they oh would my. communicate with me and they would text me and they would email me and they would phone me if I hadn't answered the other two ways. So I, have to, I have to talk to them and say like, I love you. You're amazing. Could you put all of your thoughts into one communication and send that to me once a week, you know, just save them up you know <laughs> I don't need to hear from you six times a day so I mean and it's not that they're being I don't know it's just that they're excited you know they want to they want to talk they had a good idea about their book and they want to talk about it you know but I'm like okay I also have all these other people over here that I need to talk to so we've had to have that communication so just be respectful of their time understand they have a lot of people to take care of they have a lot of people to answer to and and I think you're you're probably going to get along fine if you're unhappy about something, tell me. I mean, if something, something like you feel bad about something like, oh, you know, you supported this author in this contest and you didn't enter me in that contest, just tell me. Say, okay, why didn't you do it? You know, like, okay, well, maybe I didn't do it because there's a very good reason why she had a better chance and you belong over here with this contest and, you know, that's where you're going to shine. You know, so just be communicative. Don't hold a grudge. Let us know what's going on. And, and just always, you know, just, I think if you keep the open lines of communication, it'll, it'll be, it'll be fine. So anyway, hope that helps. That has been absolutely wonderful. I learned a lot. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been just great. So thank you so much. Wasn't that something? I felt hopeful after talking to her and I learned a lot. If you are an author or considering it, I hope this episode has been helpful. My next episode will most likely be book club. And then I would like to talk a bit about my writing journey and some bookish episodes that I have been promising you forever, but I have not forgotten. But uh, that's it for this episode. Before I go, if you loved this episode or any of my previous episodes, 
please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram on Living a Life Through Books. I'm also on Clubhouse. Look me up by name. I'm on TikTok. My tag is at Dr. Shnaz Ahmed. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. My website is shnazahmed.com. That is S-H-A-H-N-A-Z-A-H-M-E-D.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavik. I'm Dr. Shnaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books, signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time.